No ideas, original sports. Back here again with Kareem and Theo. How y'all doing today? Doing good. Doing good. So we had a listen. We had a busy week in sports this week. A lot of listen. A lot of good stuff going on. Listen, we had a lot of interesting things happening. So we got right now. Listen, we still in the midst of the football playoffs or something. What you guys think of those games that's going on today? Um, I think we were talking about it offline. I think the 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 Rams. I thought they were dead in the water. I thought the Packers were kind of about to open that game up, but it was good to see the the Rams come back. But so far, so good. Uh, I see the, the Packers winning that game now. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Theo had the Packers. Theo, definitely, we kind of slept on the Packers when we were talking about who was going to win and who was going to go through. I think Theo picked the Packers. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 those are my guys for come out the uh, NFC. So, so far, so good. Looking forward to that Bills-Ravens game. Yeah. Who you got yeah. now, Montoya? Who you got in the Bills-Ravens? <laughs> I'm going with the Eagles. <laughs> I mean, that's got me. I, I got the Bills winning that one. The Bills, if you remember at the beginning of the year, it was kind of like my my sleeper team, one of my sleeper teams. Um, I think, uh, yeah, they, they, they're tough. So I got the Bills winning that. But I think it's going to be a good game overall, competitive game. I, I really can't call that game. If the Bills can stop the run, they'd be in good shape, man. That'd be calm stop of the run throughout the season. Yeah, I, I think it's just a coin. I'm gonna go with Ravens, but I really feel that those may pull this one out, man. But I'm gonna go with Ravens though. You, you know what's funny? I like to see the Ravens. I like to see the Ravens win, but I do think it's probably gonna be the Bills too. I just think that you know, watching watching these guys play, like you said, if they even if they slow the running game down, whatever, and they, if they force it to a game where it's kind of like where you're relying on Lamar Jackson just to have to throw a lot of passes, and I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't think he's a bad passer. I just think it's, I think it's more of an accuracy thing because he's got an arm. He definitely got a cannon. I just think that, you know, I don't even know if they call it the right pitch for him. Like you, when they when they do call pass plays, you notice they usually deep pass plays. There's never any like short, easy pass they yeah, I think that suits them best. Uh, and then you mix it up with the deep balls. But I think some of those those crossing routes, he needs like a like a Wes Welker type of guy, right? Running those short crossing routes. You hit them here and there. And then they they have the running game, like you said. And then you mix it up with the deep ball. You can have a guy who's known for or isn't known for his accuracy, constantly trying to throw the ball deep downfield. No. Yeah, you think we need to upgrade it on a wide receiver position for sure. Upgrade oh, yeah. Maybe move Josh Brown to the slot. He got a lot of quick speed, you know, like uh, Terry Kale. But an uh, upgrade a tight end, definitely two more wide receivers. Maybe put Josh Brown as a slot and go from there. Well, you got to figure they definitely must have known they needed receivers because they brought back um, yes. Dan Bryant. After being out of league for two years and stuff, that tells you a lot, right there. Yeah. Okay. Just you know, just while we talking about receivers, you guys got a chance to see Josh Gordon definitely suspended again. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I think his career might, to me, I think his career might be over. Yeah, it's definitely over. It's over, over before this, though. But he has some demons. <laughs> yeah, he has some demons. He has, he has to uh, overcome. I don't yeah. know what it is that keep up there making him relapse into the same situation. But um, he has some major issues. Hopefully, his family and friends can be there for him. But his yeah. career is definitely over. Yeah, I think he definitely needs some help. He's been up and like you said, up until this point, he must not be getting the right help because he goes right back to it. They reinstated him, right. and literally, he could get on the field. He had practiced like twice, and they already said he was back out again. So, I, I don't know. I definitely think that um, Russell Wilson could have used him too if he was out there. I mean. That don't mean he'd be effective, though. You know, yeah, you've been in the game for a long time, you know. That'd be in football That's shape. True. I mean, football shape. You come playoff time. Everybody's in football shape come playoff time. That's true. That's true, yeah. Oh, yeah so tomorrow, we got, tomorrow we got the Browns and Chiefs and the Buccaneers and the Saints. So, in the Browns and Chiefs game, I mean, who you guys got there? <laughs> I got the Chiefs winning it all, so of course I got I got the Chiefs beating the Browns. But I do think it's going to be a competitive game again. Um, I think at this point in the season, none of these uh, games you can like say is is one team is going to dominate the other team at this point in the season. Right. So I think it's going to be a competitive game. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to going to pull it out. Yeah, I agree with you on that, man. I got the Chiefs winning that as well. Um, we'll know early on in the game if the uh, Browns can't compete. You know, for the last few, last few games headed toward the playoffs, the Chiefs been been a lot of tight games. So I see a lot of people just giving the Browns a chance to win based on, I guess, that the play of the Chiefs the last four or five games, having tough games, close games against you know, Atlanta, other games, other teams like that, I should say. But um, I'm going with the Chiefs for sure. You know, it should be a good game. I'm going with the Chiefs. Yeah, I, 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 also, I think, like you said, there's been a lot, a lot of close games. The only thing that's going to be interesting is that if Cleveland could go out there and grind it out with um, with Chubb and um, the other running back, what's him, and take that approach, try to take like maybe a Baltimore Ravens approach where you try to eat yeah, the clock yeah. away and keep the ball right. away. Yeah, try to run it more and out of that, what's him, try to at least take the ball away from the Chiefs a little. And the Chiefs, the, the, I think one of the key things in that game might be how they pass protect uh, Patrick Mahomes. Because the, the line has it's been as good as it's been lately. You know, that's a lot of pressure on the last couple of games. I think, like you said, maybe the last quarter of the games, they have won by more than four points, something like that. So if Cleveland gets out there and jumps on top of them like the way they jumped on the Steelers, we might have a real interesting yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, running that football, you know, shortening games, so to speak, you know, with the with the running game, you know. Hopefully, hopefully, they add a few more screens, you know, when the game is not working, the game is not working. Just try to run the ball, be effective, hopefully, we can shorten the game. You know, come up with a big upset win. Like you said, that's that's pretty much their best bet is is shorten the game. You don't want to get into any trying to outscore the Chiefs, trying to outpass them, that's for sure. Because you're right. not going to win that one. So, yeah, I think uh, I agree with both of you guys that they got to try to shorten the game, run the ball as much as possible. 
on the flip side, if Chubb gets out there and he's struggling, then they may be in for a long, a long game. But I, yeah. I think it's going to be a good game, competitive. I agree. Man, in the late game, we got the, the Saints and the, and the Buccaneers, so we basically got the GOAT versus the GOAT. So, <laughs> listen, we, we got two guys, two guys basically going to be battling it out close and for supremacy. I mean, for me, I think it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. <laughs> I mean, I I, I, I I would like to see the buck the Bucks win, but I'm not I'm not sold on that. Sometimes I watch the um watch the Saints and I get a little like confused with some of these gimmicky plays where they're taking Breeze out to put Taysom Hill in and stuff like that. But, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be like the week three, the, I think it's the week three or the week six year where they get demolished. Right. I think Antonio Brown seems like he might be a little more acclimated to the offense now. He might he might end up being a big part of this game, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be another another close one. But I, I, I probably, if I would go with the, the Bucks. I think. Um, for the simple fact that it's Tom Brady, it's hard. To, it's hard to go against Brady in these big games. Um, but uh, like you said, it's kind of the goat versus the goat. So you can make that same argument in case for Breeze as well, which is why I think it is going to be a competitive game. Uh, I, I, I got the Bucks winning this one in a close game again. Well, I'm, I'm pulling for the Saints. You know, I'm tired of Tom Brady, man. I had enough of him, man. <laughs> um, but that, be, that being said, you know, Drew Brees arm is a question mark for me entering this game. Uh, his arm is the same. He can't throw the ball past, what, 30 yards at best here and there. So uh, I think I think bit more camaraderie to run game, screen game, spread him out to the slot. You know, maybe they can win that way. But relying on Juki's arm right now, I don't, I don't believe in that because his arm ain't, his arm ain't the same no more. Like Tom Brady used to have an arm, so to speak. I'm yeah, still yeah. concerned about Breeze's uh, health as well. I know he, he came back from, from those fractured ribs. He so far hasn't really taken a big hit uh, and gotten re-injured, but that's still got to be a concern. You know, that was, was a severe injury. So I'm a little concerned he goes out there and not even gets hit like that again, but he gets hit the wrong way, so to speak. It could be a long night just based on that. But you can make that argument about anybody. But given his his recent injury, uh, it's a bit you know, dangerous. Wow. I was kind of surprised this year when he got hurt because I thought that Jameis Winston would have got the same shot like Teddy Bridgewater where they needed a guy to throw the ball, but they put Taysom Hill out there. and. and to me, just seeing it, it wasn't the best results. It's kind of like mixed results. I mean, I don't see Taysom Hill as a full-time quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he can do that. I mean, he's serviceable, but I don't know about being a full-time quarterback. I mean, if Drew Brees gets hurt, if he was to get hurt, I think they pretty much would be finished. They tried to play Taysom Hill the whole the whole game without being able to throw the ball. I think that would pretty much be it. Then on the flip side, realistically, do we even know who... Um, Tom Brady's backup is. So if something happened to Tom Brady, hmm. I don't even, I don't even know who the backup on the Buccaneers is. That's the <laughs> And I'm, I'm yeah. sure they're thinking on never having to find out whether that guy can play or not. So right. <laughs> Tom Brady's gonna fall down every time. 
like they've been doing, yeah. like Peyton Man used to do. You know, nope, fall down, they had a sack, one next play. So I see Tom Brady doing that every time. Yeah, yeah, he does do a lot of lay downs. Yeah. Plus, I think a lot of the, the refs in those games for Tom Brady kind of set the tone. There's a couple of hits where it's like legitimate hits, and they'll call them late hits. He's getting all type of flags. <laughs> so now you're almost scared to touch him when you go in there. I've seen a couple of, quite a few games over his career like that too. You know, where he's yeah. getting that referee protection. Yeah. As a Jets fan, we, we've seen our full fill of Tom Brady. So we, we, we know how that is. I mean, decade four. That's huh? pretty bad for a decade. So, so, yeah, it's a bad situation. So, over the games, I mean, talking about the uh, I want to touch on Dixon. Uh, on Hill for a second, right quick. Okay, go ahead. What do you think has to do with what we was mentioning before, like the, like the, the black quarterback and that whole thing? Because Hill, he seems to be getting a, a, a better look than a lot of black quarterbacks would get. You know, I, I don't think uh, the hype surrounding him is warranted. But had he been a black quarterback, I'm not sure that hype would be there personally. I mean. I think Taysom Hill is is he's an okay runner. Like if I if I had to think about it, right now you you figure you got um Lamar Jackson's playing. He's nowhere close to that. And I don't even think I mean I don't know why it escapes me. The quarterback for the Bills, I think he runs just as well as Taysom Hill. Yeah, Josh Allen runs just as well as Taysom Hill. He's just a way better passer. So I mean. Taysom Hill, I, I don't know how many passes he's even completed. He is getting some benefit probably from being, you know, a guy that they see, okay, look, we got a guy that can run two type of deal or whatever. Maybe he can run some, but we don't put it this way. If, if I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to win running, there's no way I think Taysom Hill's going to win running because Lamar <laughs> Jackson's a better pass than Taysom Hill. I, I, I mean, I think he gets. I think, I think he gets a lot of hometown credit. He's been with the team for a while. They, they, they like him there and stuff like that. But I couldn't see any other team really bringing Taysom Hill in and saying, "Okay, you know what? Let's make this guy some guy we play a lot or something like that." Like yeah. he's, definitely, he's not going to be a star quarterback on the team. He's definitely getting a lot more opportunities uh, for sure. That, that, that's what I question. Um, is he a better um, option than Jameis? I personally don't think so. I got a guy who can throw the football. Yeah, I don't throw think so either. either. I don't think so either. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, he's like Tim Tebow with a, with a little little better arm, I guess. Or a slightly better arm, I guess. So, they're I guess, having a, a Caucasian athlete who has more of a dual threat. That's yeah, my opinion. I, but, yeah. Other than that, I mean, why, why, why is he getting more opportunities than um, Jameis Winston? I, I mean, I think Jameis Winston, like I was I was saying, I think Jameis Winston's situation was not being with the right team. Plus, too, watching these games this year, getting to see the Bucks a lot more because Tom Brady's there, I started to realize, like, a lot, a lot of times when you watch the receivers, those dudes run the wrong routes. They drop a lot of balls. There's a lot of balls bouncing off their hands. So even though they put up really good numbers, they make a lot of mistakes, like, we never right. seen Tom Brady be this far off on receivers. Like, this guy was supposed to go left, and he's throwing it right. So I, I can't believe that they were any better last year with Jameis Winston when you got Tom Brady out there. So 
that I'm pretty much sure that there's been a lot of times where he, he probably could have threw them under the bus for not running the right route or not dropping the ball or whatever, where he didn't because they, they seemed like they were his friends because Mike Evans, I know, did, definitely didn't want um, Winston to go. Yeah, I think he might have been the biggest beneficiary of Winston, even though Winston threw all of those interceptions. I think most Mike Evans have been one of the top receivers all those years Winston's been there. Yeah. He definitely point. benefited from us too. I mean, throwing interceptions is bad, but we can't discount the fact that he threw for five thousand yards. He threw for five thousand yards and thirty three touchdowns. That's that's not a small feat. I mean I, I wish I wish Darno could throw for five thousand yards. Darno <laughs> threw for five thousand yards in two seasons. <laughs> so <laughs> when you look at it, I mean I think it's impressive for anybody, any quarterback, to be able to rack up 5,000 passing yards. Man, I, I think I, I think we'll get another shot. Like I'm, I'm hoping to tell you the truth. If the if the Jets do something crazy, like keep Darno, they bring in somebody like him as the backup, so that when Darno has to stick, he's got a guy who can throw the ball or something. Because I mean, just to go back to the Jets, even in games, I, I watched the games where Darno was out. Joe Flacco was able to get more passing yards and look better than Darno did. Yeah, Darnold, to me, he's another guy. I, I thought he was okay coming out of college, he, but I thought the hype surrounding him was a bit much. Um, so to see the Jets take him, I, I wasn't upset with the pick, but at the same time, I wasn't overly excited, especially when uh, I started to watch more of his film and, and read up more about him. And he had uh, supposedly like issues going through his progressions. To me, that's that's a major red flag as a NFL quarterback. The guy is he he only can throw to his main target, and if the main target isn't open, it's pretty much a, a busted play. That's a that's a major problem that he can't go through progressions. So I I think <clears throat> that alone uh, is why I would like to see, like you said, if the Jets. Keep, can't uh, like if they don't draft Fields, let's say. I would like to see them maybe go with uh, one of these more experienced guys. I thought even Fitz, right? You look at Fitz when he was there. I thought he was better than, than yeah. Donald is. Um, but yeah, I think Donald falls into he. He's not. I would say he's better than Hill, right? But I think he falls into another into that category of another guy who's getting a, a little bit more of a leash. Than, than he probably should be. Well, what's what's interesting about that about the Jets, and I'm I'm gonna bring it to kind of the next topic. The Jets hired a new coach. We all have a Gase and they got the guy Robert Sala. And as part of the deal, they talk about bringing in um the guy from Green Bay's brother as the offensive coordinator. Now, one of the things I was reading, about that, yeah, that was interesting about it is that they were saying that his offense would be better suited for Darno because it does a lot of rollouts and stuff and it doesn't require you to read progressions much. But do we really want a quarterback that we got to rely on having gadget plays because you know they already believe that he can't read the progressions. So we got to make plays where it limits his options. Like one of the things we're saying, like you do a lot of rollouts. If you roll to the right, you're definitely not going to throw it to the receiver. He doesn't have to take on the throw it down the left sideline. He's not Allen or anybody. So if he rolls to the right, half the field is done. 
that limits that limits his options right there. So it's not like he's gonna he's gonna be glued in on one guy the whole time. And that's in the guy's offense geared toward that like dinking and dunking and what we're saying running the running the ball. Now see, I don't know if he knows the roster. We see these games. I don't know who he's gonna be running the ball with. Frank goes those other guys. I got excited when I heard that they may potentially keep Donald but shift the offense to a more uh, like run heavy offense until I, you know, say, wait a minute, we don't have a running back either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we got an average quarterback with no no running back. We got Frank Gore put the ball in his hands 30 times. You know, so if you're going to go that route of being rush heavy, that means now you got to go that route of getting a, a running back that's capable of doing it. And maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Le'Veon Bell would have been that guy, right? If they would have kept him around. Now he's gone. So you got a rush heavy coach, coaching staff coming in with, with no running back. So I could see Donald being maybe performing a little a little better because the pressure's not on him. Like you said, it's being geared towards him. So now he'll throw 15 passes a game for 98 yards. <laughs> And they'll be satisfied with that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. As long as he, it went from him potentially being, we want this guy to be a star, to just don't hurt us. Don't turn it over. Don't oh, make mistakes. A 20, as Neil would say, a 25 year old game manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think Dono uh, showed flashes early in his career. When he first got there. I think, I think the talent around him dropped a lot. The guys getting hurt, guys didn't want to play. They obviously hired the wrong coach and gave they didn't want to play for him. So, uh, you know, this is why uh, I guess uh, the new coach, uh, Saleh, or Salah, I think, uh, decided to keep him. It remains to be seen whether they're going to change the offense as far as like, him being a rollout quarterback because, you know, you don't want to have a, a Mr. Biscuit kind of guy in, 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 as a quarterback rolling out. I think he showed that he could be a pocket, pocket passer and he could run as well. So uh, I, I, if I'm a Jeff fan, I'll hold out hope for these guys to, I guess, not focus on him being a rollout quarterback and just have um, more time to run and drive well, stick to the old line, get young guys to um, run back position, so to speak, find the tight end. You know, so I mean, focus on focus on the offense pretty much, I would say, more than defense. You have pieces in place on defense that will hold you up a little bit. But as far as offense, the agency, focus more on the offense. I think Don Donald can commit pay for you guys. Like I think uh, losing Robbie Anderson hurt him. You know, that yeah. was one of his main targets. Robbie Anderson covered up a lot of Donald's mistakes, under throwing the ball and all type of stuff. Robbie yeah. Anderson was able to still grab a bunch of those type of passes. Right. Yeah, he, he was good for he was good for one forty yard plus a game, one thirty yard plus a game, and that definitely helped. Definitely held and kept the defense honest. You know, everybody's not all up in the on the box. Right. Not, you know, to change the game. So, what do you guys think? Um, the Jaguars hired Urban Meyer, and the whole staff. You know, what do you think of that hire, Urban Meyer? I, I mean, I want Urban Meyer to be a cowboy. To tell you the truth, I, I want him from day one. He was my choice before okay. Mike McCarthy. That's for sure. So, well, up to me. He being Dallas, though. But as far as John's concerned. It's a great hire. Guy, guy could coach. He can motivate. 
He's an innovative, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, he's uh, he got tricky plays. And you know what? He knows talent, too. He knows college football players than anybody else for the evaluation of these players. He's one of these players. He recruits these players, visits these kids' homes, play against them. He's been an analyst for, uh, I guess, for college football for the last, what, year and a half, two years. So coming out the gate, I guess his his eye his eye awareness, the eye contact or eye talent, I should say, is better than anybody else right now. That's for sure. So I see Jack was making a, a quick uh, two year turnaround. That's for sure. And he's not taking fields to get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part like one of the biggest reasons why he decided to make the move is Trevor Lawrence. Um, as a Jets fan, <laughs> we would hope he was thinking fields, but I don't think so. <laughs> The only thing I would say with him, I think you said it best, Theo. The only thing I would say with Meyer, which is due to no fault of his own, is health, right? He's had a couple of health scares over the last few years, which kind of right. forced him out here and there. Um, so that may be a concern for the Jaguars. But again, that's due to no fault of his own. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think you said it best, Theo. The guy knows talent. He just came from the college level playing against um, a bunch of these players that's in the league now, so I think it's a good a good hire for for them, as well as bringing in. I'm assuming everybody knows Trevor Lawrence is going to be the pick, so you know, it's definitely a, a, they're moving in the right direction. Let's put it that way. I think it was a good hire, but you know, you're gonna laugh, but I think it would have been better for them last year because this year it seems like between um, the GM and the coach they had this year. They basically did what the Jets did. They got rid of disgruntled players. So Leonard Fournette left for nothing. The uh, other guy, the pass rushing guy, I think his name was Yagano or something. They traded him yeah. for nothing, basically, because there were two guys that were disgruntled. So you you know you drop some talent just because you can't get along with the coach, kind of like Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell type of stuff. But I, I believe he can evaluate talent and get some more guys on that roster. It's, it makes it easier when you start with a franchise level quarterback like Trevor Lawrence or something. I mean, it'd be interesting what they're going to do with those other guys. You know, hopefully with the Jets, we don't see Gardner Minshew as the as the next Jet quarterback or something. That's how they usually go go. But yeah, I think he, I mean he definitely evaluates the talent well. I think he'll have a really good draft. You know, picking up players and understands that. And I think he, he's good. He's a good players coach. And I think, like Theo said, I think he definitely would have been great on Dallas, too. He'd be good for the Jets. Yeah, he would have been great for the Jets. He knows what Jets was doing. I mean, I don't think they want to give up that type of power or control. It's crazy, but they, like, he's basically, when Urban Meyer's going to go in there, he's working with a GM, but he's really the GM. So he pretty much has, like, full control of everything. Whereas the guy that we got here, he's listening. He got, he got a coach in there. But they're going to have to work like, I don't know if Salah's going to get all those guys because this guy's like, let's say Richard Sherman's a free agent. Even though Richard Sherman might be past his prime, he could probably still, on the Jets, he probably would still start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he would start the Jets. You got, you got, you got a Jets fan. I want to convert safety too. So. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. You got a Jets fans, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you guys a question. The number two pick, what would you guys do? Just curious. I, I think I would trade it. I think I would trade down. I'm, you know what? I like Fields, and he's but 
I don't know. I mean, you know what it is? It's not even fair. I'm going to tell you what my fear is. My fear is Ohio State quarterback. Do you know any of them that actually panned out recently in the league? I mean, they put up great numbers in college, but they don't wish it up pan out in the league. You see, Joe Burrow got out of there and went to LSU. So they, they, they put up this phenomenal numbers, but... I don't know if it's that the offense doesn't translate or, you know, or the style of play. But they look like, like to some extent, watching that game with Fields, I think he's got a great arm and he's a great talent. But he seems similar to Darno with those single reads. Like, they locked in. Like, you got a receiver, and if he's open, I get it to him. If not, I got to try to figure out what the next option is or I'm take off and run. The benefit with him is at least he'll be able to run more than, say, like Darno. But... I don't know if he can get off that first option foul. That's that's the only thing. And was it? I think I think it'd be better than Darno, but I don't know if, if um I don't know if the Jets got enough talent around or have enough talent around him to make it better for him too. Because he'll he'll need a running game and some different stuff. Right now, the running back at Ohio State is better than anybody that the Jets have on the roster, the starter and the backup. They're both better than anybody on the Jets. You know, I think his name was Olave. He's probably, I mean, Olave could start for the Jets too. So he's probably playing with just as much offensive talent, if not more in college, than he would have with the Jets. I would probably go with, uh, with Fields um, for the simple fact that it, it's almost like whenever a new regime comes in, starting fresh with a new quarterback is, is, is kind of the thing. You don't want to force that, but it's, it almost feels that way. Plus, to me, hearing, let's say, you bring in another stopgap uh, quarterback, um, let's say they decide they don't want to stick with Donald, we're going to bring in a uh, stopgap. To me, you're telling me, as a, as a fan, we want you to wait another two years. You know, we want you to keep waiting, be patient. <laughs> and I get it, it takes time to build a team, but as a Jets fan, we've been, we've been more than patient, let's put it that way. So even if it doesn't pan out, I think Fields represents hope, so to speak. The same reason why I keep saying uh, not to completely switch subjects, but like with the Knicks, being a Knicks fan, I keep screaming, we got to get a point guard. We got to get a point guard. Um, I think it's that same scenario with the Jets with a quarterback. We got to get that one quarterback. Whether Fields ends up being that or not, the jury's still out. But I, I would I would probably go with Fields and, and and take my chances. I'm going to tell you my dream scenario. You know who I want to go with with the number two pick? Deshaun Watson from the Texans. Trade that pick some other picks and bring in Deshaun Watson. I don't care if you got to trade half the draft. Bring in Deshaun Watson or whatever, and we'll work from there. Deshaun, think about it. Deshaun Watson makes the people around He made the people around him better. Whatever, and then if he, he can change people's career. Like, at the beginning of the year, Brandon Cooks and those guys, people thought he, those guys were finished. Next thing you know, you look at Brandon Cooks' numbers at the end of the year and Fuller and all those guys. Which all those guys kind of stepped up and played well. Would, if they could, I'd like to see them get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to see him wins. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> see him. I don't think the Jets draft well. Like they go years without addressing one side of the ball. You know, we went years going all defense with Todd Bowles, right? Eventually you gotta 
you know, get some offense in there. Like Theo mentioned earlier, you got to get some offensive talent at some point. So I think they tried to do that with Donald. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out. I don't think, and I don't want to sound like I think Donald is a, is a bum. I don't think he's a bum. A lot of it is due to the, the lack of weapons, I think, around them over the years, too. But <clears throat> the inability to, to read defenses, the inability to go through his progressions, that type of stuff is a, uh, a red flag for me, a huge red flag. And I think another huge red flag for me when I, when I probably said I had enough of Donald was when, didn't he make some comment about, uh, I think they might have been playing the Patriots, and he said something like he was seeing ghosts out there or something like that? Yeah, he, he might have thought of a 16 defenders or something. <laughs> so the minute I that, I said, man, we got this guy. So, yeah, I would probably go with, with Fields, you know? Um, if, if, he, if, if, you can't, if you can't steal, if you can't steal Deshaun Jackson, and you can't make no trades down to your liking. Just take uh, the receiver for Alabama. That kid is for real. Yeah, yeah. I would do that. I would take the receiver from Alabama, and with that other first round pick, I'd take the running back from Clemson, the running back from Clemson, or the running back from Alabama. Yeah, there you go. Either Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State. That would there be my next. Yeah, there you now, go. I'll be, be excited with that. Uh, yeah, I'll right. be with that. And then at that point, Dono, you really can't complain then because he can't say he doesn't have talent then. You got, think about it, Alabama had three players, one, three, and five in the Heisman vote. So basically, you'd have the Heisman receiver, and you'd have the fifth runner-up and the running back. So you can't, I mean, if we're talking about he don't have talent then, you got two of the Two of the top five players in college on your team, they just put you off in, and you still can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a good one, Theo. I, I, yeah, like that's a good, I mean, I think we have to out of town at that point. At that point, you got, I wouldn't even wait for the full season either. I don't want to see six. If I brought those two guys in, I don't want to see 16 games or nothing. He got about four games before we pull the plug and put Jameis Winston or Teddy Bridgewater or whoever's going to be in there. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. Joe, Joe Flacco will be starting. No, he's <laughs> out of there. Good, well, I, don't <laughs> I don't want to get excited. And then next thing you know, they're, they're drafting uh, some linemen again. Offense. Yeah, the guy from, what's the, you know, the canoe or whatever they keep talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, Granted, you need linemen. Nobody's devaluing that, but right? don't don't pick another offensive lineman, please. Right. You know? I won't say that. I wasn't upset with Beckton. He played really well. He's like a Pro Bowl caliber tackle. Mm-hmm. The guy they drafted Beckton, and it's funny they can honestly say when he was in the games they did play better. They was able to, and they always. I mean, I don't understand how teams didn't see this. They almost always ran to his side. They ran behind him every single time they ran almost. Yeah, because he's massive and he's good. So it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter if you know where, where, where he running to. He, he could block. Yeah, he's good. Matter. He's good. That was a you good thing. So, I would say they need, at the very least, they, the Jets need offensive, uh, skilled positions, players. That's who they need to draft, whether it's quarterback, running back, wide receiver. <laughs> That needs to be top priority. You need everything. Crazy yeah. thing is, you're bringing in a defensive coach, right? Yeah. So who knows what this guy is going to do, you know? Bless. That's the scary part. 
Theo, we would love to be in your situation as a Cowboy fan where all you need is for Dak to show up. That's all. Yeah, all you need is for Dak to show up. Y'all don't need nothing else. Dak shows up. Think about, think about the receivers you got on the team. Uh, yeah, our offense, but, but no, I have no defense, really. I have no secondary. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. true. Well, I, I had like, I have, I have Trevor Diggs and the uh, and the Wilson kid who who was uh, the late round pick, who was a stud, who was on the sideline for two years, game to yeah. start. Now he shined. But other than that, my linebackers are uh, exposed. Dan uh, yeah. and Jaden Smith. <laughs> you know, right now I'm, ha- I'm happy that um, we hired Dan Quinn. I think yeah. he's a great DC and not a good head coach. Yeah. Some guys are, are, are good at doing what they do, just focus on one side of the ball instead of focusing on the whole entire franchise, the whole entire team, you know. So here's here's the creator Legion of Boom. So, you know, as far as Cowboy fans, I, I, I like him. Of course it is, uh does he bring in um Earl Thomas? Does he bring in uh Richard Sherman who play safety? I, I think I you can laugh, I think he will bring in his guys. I think he'll try to bring them in. Right. Definitely so, will. They can't be interested to see what he does. Hey, speaking of coaches, do you guys like to hire that Atlanta maid or the um, offensive coordinator from the Titans? I mean, I mean personally, I, I think it's okay. I'm not wild with it because I don't know how hard it is to give the ball to Travis Henry all those times. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this, no. so I don't know. Like, that's not a diverse offense. I mean, Tannehill did get better, but I think that was more so again Travis Henry then state of offense. I mean, Travis Henry ran for over 2,000 yards. So, yeah, you can give me, I'm not saying the guy can't coach. He obviously has, yeah. you know, ability, but I think you could have gave me a clipboard and and I could have said, all right, pass it to Henry and get out of the way. Kind yeah, of. give him the ball 30 times a game. Probably really give him 30 carries. I mean, he, think of, I think he had almost like 2,600 all yards I think Tannehill might have had about 800 more passes than he did on his own. So, I mean, I don't know if it was anything creative about the Titans offense. Um, The Titans offense is pretty much like you said, give the ball to Henry. He's going to pound the ball up the middle and try to bowl over the defense. It obviously wasn't too bad of a strategy. It got him, you know, as far as it did. You know, I, I, like you said, I'm not blown away with it, but no, uh, it, it made a lot worse decision. Let's put it that way. I mean, in the playoffs, you could tell like, that that the offense wasn't that diverse either because once they kind of shut the Travis Henry down, I don't. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that hire remains to be seen. I mean, there's one thing that's interesting that's kind of bothering me a little bit. I got to be honest with that. Maybe it's because they're still in the playoffs. I don't understand how Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs coordinator, doesn't have a job. That I don't understand. I mean, I'm hoping he gets the Texans' job because I think that'll be a great job for him to have with John Watson. But for him to be a top coordinator, this is the same thing last year. Last year he had some interviews. He's a he's a top flight coordinator. He's I don't know if he's not getting the offers. He's not getting the offer he wants, but. I mean, I would think that the guy behind the Chiefs offense is a lot more creative than the guy behind the Titans. Yeah, that's the thing. That's that's the crazy part is you, we can't make that same statement about him and say, oh, it's all Mahomes. A big part of it is Mahomes. You can't deny that. But I see the Chiefs running some stuff that's, that's definitely uh, creative. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah. Obviously, again, Mahomes, Hill, all these weapons make it, uh, it's like icing on the cake, so to speak. But the guy, he, he's definitely a, you can tell he's a offensive mind, you know, let's put it that way. I think he, uh, yeah, we can't hear you anymore, you Now we can hear it somewhat. Yeah. I'm sorry, fellas. Oh, we can hear you clear. You good. Um, I was just saying about, uh, you know, when, when, you get, when you get a chance, but he can't take Mahomes with him, so to speak. <laughs> and Mahomes would <laughs> Oh, you went out again. We can't hear you. Yeah, we can. Yeah, now we can. Okay, now I was just saying that, uh, you know, hopefully get the chance to prove himself as a head coach. But uh, he needs talent around him. Most coaches, you know, you got great players around you, any system will, will look good. I mean, the guy will look good, so to speak. But um, he's very deserving of an opportunity to be a head coach, and um, hopefully that time will come real soon. He's very deserving. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So... Moving on, we had a couple of interesting baseball signings that recently, you know, as a Yankee fan, we got DJ LeMayu coming back, and we got Corey Kluber. What do you guys think of those there? Yeah, I think those were, were good deals for the Yankees. He's got uh, Kluber on a one-year deal, right? I know he's coming back from, from injury, but to get him on a one-year deal, I think it bolsters that staff. And then LeMayu, we, we touched on him before, um, hoping that he would come back. Um, and we got him on a, on a nice deal, right? I think it's like a six-year deal, something like that for $90 million. I thought he was going to get a little more than that. Um, so to get get both of those guys on uh, good deals on top of it is, I like both pickups. For LeMayu to sign that deal, he wanted to be a Yankee. Yeah, because he, he deserves more. He's, he played his butt off. He deserves more. He showed out. He's arguably the best hitter in baseball. You can arguably say. Uh, if the Yankees could get Kluber from two years ago, they in business. Yeah. Without talking. He's a very good pitcher. And, and this is probably the best team he's been on as far as for, you know, a, a, a lineup of good hitters. Because in, when he was in uh, Cleveland, they had a solid lineup, though. But it wasn't but like like we have now in New York, you know, one through nine or one through eight, I should say. So we have a rough start. We have a chance to overcome those rough starts because our lineup will hold them down, so to speak. But Kuba signs is a great deal for one year. He tried to prove himself for a bigger deal down the line. And um this Kuba will be a number two pitcher behind uh uh Cole is the question. Do we sign Tanaka back? And, you know, the key out season right now is Severino. Yeah. I'm going to be hunking and stuff up. I mean, I think you're right. Now, now, that, now that you said that, I would think that Severino probably would be the two and Kuba might be the three. I don't know if Tanaka's coming back. 
with him. I, I don't know if they think that he might be going. I seen that they did something that was pretty smart too. They didn't let Aaron Judge go to arbitration. They gave him ten million dollars or something like that. I think they said that if he won, he probably would have got like nineteen or eighteen or something. So mm. they got settled out. I guess that was a good team friendly deal too. But I don't know if, I, if they could get Tanaka at the, the, the amount that they paid, say Kluber or less, and put him like at the fall starter towards the end of the rotation. I, I, yeah, that I would do. Yeah. I couldn't see giving him no. I don't, I don't want to see no $20 million for three years. I, I couldn't see that with Tanaka at this point. Right. Two yeah. years time. Yeah, two years. Two years at about, I'll give him two years at about 20, 25. Do some 25 to 30 max or something like that because the going rate for pitchers are pretty high. Yes. Yes. So yeah. I, I, I could I see him getting two for 30. I, I would do that, but. It ha- it's got to be right for the Yankees because even the Kluber thing, like you said, Kluber, Kluber's a two-time Cy Young winner. And yeah. he's come up with an injury, granted, but to take $11 million, I'm sure he might have been able to get, set, get more than that from somebody, too. They said yeah. a lot of teams were trying to sign him, so he probably wanted to be here, too. I mean, it's going to come down for Tanaka whether he actually wants to be a Yankee or not, I think. It's yeah. kind of weird. So, as a young kids, man. Call your kids up and throw them in the fire. Let them go. Leave them alone, man. You yeah. can't have a, a five-man rotation of this old guy, old veteran. That old veteran is veterans, you know. Yeah. Add one young kid to the rotation, man. It's about time. Yeah. Oh, wait, bro. Domingo's back, right? I don't think he'll be with us, though. <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to want any part of him now, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is he, he, I mean, he had a great, great future ahead of him, but you're right. He probably won't be there. So that's, that's a, that's a tough flaw. Yeah. So moving along to the, to the big deal of this week, Brooklyn Nets pulled off that massive trade or whatever. Who, who won the deal? Who's the winners and losers in the deal? And, and, and how do we think it's going to turn out? I think the Nets won. Uh, I like the idea of accumulating all these picks. It's kind of like what we mentioned about OKC, right? OKC is, is, you know, gathering all these assets and picks. And but I think you win in this league with star players, and it's no no bigger star, hardly any bigger star than James Harden. So if you look at it, they got four picks. I think it is four first rounders, which is a lot. But at the same time, those picks are probably going to be, barring any major injury against any of uh, the Nets' big three, those picks are going to be late first rounders, probably somewhere in the 20s. Granted, you can get lucky, right, and, and, and draft a steal in the 20s. But if you uh, can mortgage, you know, if you're the Nets, you mortgage your future of drafting somewhere in the 20s, four people in the, in the mid to late 20s uh, for James Harden with a shot to win, you know, a, a few rings out of it, then you do it, I think. I also think, if I remember correctly, they gave up the rights to swap picks as well. Yeah. Which sounds good again, but I think their picks, the next picks are gonna be worse, uh, better picks, I should say, or worse picks actually, right? So yeah. the swaps aren't going to mean anything because they're not going to swap. 
Yeah, the, the Rockets going to yeah. they're going to swap their they swap their eighth pick with the twenty fourth. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think unless there's uh, some type of major injuries, who knows? But barring anything like that. Houston's picks are going to be better. So having the swaps rights, again, sounds good on paper. Oh, we got four rights, four years to swap. But I don't think they're going to get anything out of it there. Uh, unless those rights to swaps, which I don't recall, do, do those rights to swap and like convert into like second rounders or anything? Or are they just straight? You know, they're, so. they're just straight. The only way it would hurt the Nets is if somehow or other they ended up with a top three pick, like one of those lottery picks. Because <laughs> you know they flipped that. I flipped that right away. Like, yep. Yeah. I don't care if I if I had the ninth, if I had the eleventh pick and you got the third, they flipped that one. Yeah, it's one of those things where as long as the Nets stay relatively healthy, and you would need two of them to go down for the Nets to have a, a, a top three pick. Two yeah. of them, you know, Kyrie, KD, or Harden, two two out of the three would have to go down with some type of injury, which we don't want, you know? Uh, so I think the Nets won the trade. I think what remains to be seen, though, is uh, how the Nets gel now that they got Harden. Um, it's only one ball. I heard the comments from uh, Charles Barkley, I think it was, about the, the dribble bros, saying uh, Kevin Durant is playing with the dribble bros now. Uh, but yeah, are they going to be out there playing that one-on-one -on -one ball still? And can Kyrie keep his head on straight? I think that's more of uh, the big topic for discussion with the Nets, not so much as who won the trade. I think they easily won the trade. Well, based on name alone, definitely the Nets won the trade because they got James Harden. Yeah. And Reem said us, Reem made a lot of good points. So I'm going to move from that. And I'm going to focus on uh, Chris LeVert going to the Pacers. I think um, they got a player that um, can produce as well as other people can, can produce. Maybe even better. Maybe he's probably on the, uh, on the upside where other people is probably at the middle of his prime, probably at the end, end of his prime. But uh, he could produce just as much as all uh, Victor can produce at a cheaper rate as well. So I think the Pacers mm -hmm. came off with a, with a player who's just just as good, maybe a half a tier, not as good, but still, you know, he's young. Um, he's well liked by a lot of his peers in the NBA. Uh, he's showing like big shots. Now I, now I have the opportunity to, you know, I guess uh, have his own team, so to speak, and show NBA that um, he's a real deal. Yeah, I think he's on what, like a three-year deal or something like that for $45 million because they got him coming back from that, that ankle injury, right? He had like a dislocated ankle or something like that, some type of ankle uh, injury. So they got him on a really good deal. Like you said, if they would have kept Oladipo, Oladipo is going to want to get paid, you know? He, he's in a contract year. So they would have had to, I don't know about Max Oladipo out, but it wouldn't have been cheap. It definitely wouldn't have been a Kyrus LeVert. 15 million per type of deal. And like you said, they got he's he's a little bit younger. Um, he's hungry. So I, I, I like the paces too um, in that trade. I think Cleveland did well too, right? Getting Jared Allen and, and uh, Torian Prince too. Uh, right. I'm you guys both talk about, I'll talk about the Cleveland thing and Houston. I think Cleveland, they basically gave away nothing. They gave away um, Dante Exum, I think or something and, and the second round pick and end up with Jared Allen and Torian Prince I mean that fills up their roster that's the style of play they want to play they want to be more up tempo 
I do think was him. I mean, just I was reading something earlier where they, as much as Drummond helps them, they want to move away from that style of play. He doesn't kind of fit the style of play they want to play. They want to play more of an up and down game. So eventually, he'll probably be traded. And so it is a good deal for them. But the most puzzling part of it is that the Rockets, Oladipo, turned down a twenty million dollar per deal from the Pacers. And I don't—I mean, I personally couldn't see the Rockets giving them more than that. On top of the fact you got Roni Kuroks, we got Roni Kuroks, and and Victor Oladipo and Dante Exum. So you got two guys who are basically not in either team's rotation. Exum or Kuroks—they don't even play. And you got you got Oladipo to make again another undersized backcourt with Roll and Oladipo. And then like you like we all talked about, you got four draft picks between the picks number 23 and 30. So, and I write the swap. So, realistically, I mean, I think that the Rockets pretty messed up is that they should have took the first deal. The deal where they could have got Jared Allen, Spencer Didwinnie, and Levert, and the pick. But then by yeah. weight, actually heard kind of similar to like the Anthony Davis deal where Anthony Davis, the late deal, the, the Pelicans waited and ended up getting less than what they could have gotten the first deal. So, yeah, I agree. Now, Rockets might end up being the loser of this deal. If you look at the long term out of all of these teams, the Rockets may be the well losing hard on top of it is one thing. But if they can't get somebody to believe that they could change these picks to another player or something like that, or do do something like that, it's going to be hard to explain why you basically traded James Harden for four picks in the twenties. And the right to swap for another four picks in the twenties, two guys that's not going to play, and Victor Oladipo who may not sign. So that's that's going to be a tough sell. Yeah, I would agree. I think going back to the the Cavs, another thing with them is uh, is Drummond is in a contract year, so now you bring Jared Allen in, who's also in a contract year, but I don't think Jared Allen is going to command as much as as Andre Drummond. You could probably he's not gonna come but he's younger. Even though Drummond is not old, I think Drummond is what twenty seven. Yeah. But he fits uh, Jared Allen fits a little better with like you said, their adjusted play style of getting up and down the court instead of playing inside out, you know, like Drummond is an inside out guy. Yeah. Um, plus I think Drummond is probably gonna at least try to get a little more than what Allen is, is going to come in. I don't know if Drummond will get it because teams are kind of scared scared off of the inside out type of offense now. His type of big man is, is dying, so to speak. I know we had an offline conversation where we were saying, uh, like, I like the idea that Nick's bringing him in, Drummond, that is. Um, but yeah, I think uh, going back to Houston, like you said, Houston, unless they get somebody in these late 20s as a draft steal or something, it's going to be hard to explain how you let James Harden just walk out of the door for a bunch of um, mid-tier players, you know. And I, I could see the, I could see, um, Jared Allen taking one of those, those four-year deals along the lines between 64 and 70, those four, 13 to 15 million dollar deals or somewhere around that line, whereas I can see Drummond looking to try to get 20 per or something like that. One of those type deals. So I think it's probably like a five to six million dollar difference per year. I think Houston, if I had to guess, they flipped uh, 
Oladipo, they flipped Levert for Oladipo based on the cap space, if I had to, if I had to guess. Because uh, Levert, right, is guaranteed money, even though he's not an expensive contract and he's a good player. I'm assuming they wanted to open up some cap space because now Harden is out. Oladipo is getting 20 million a year, but it, he's on a, a contract year. So if he gets over there, he doesn't pan out. You're not stuck with him. So Thank now you assume other free agents, whether they are an attractive landing spot for other free agents, I guess, is to be determined. Because you have John Wall over there. He's, I would say John Wall, so far this season, he's looked pretty good. So he may be an attractive piece to play with to other players. Yeah. He, he's, he's definitely not the same Boogie uh, Cousins. Um, whether he gets there back to his old form or not is to be determined. I think Christian Woods is having a breakout season. Um, he had a breakout season last year. Yeah. So I think Paul would probably their mindset in terms of the Oladipo and Levert trade. Because if not, outside of that, I, I would like to see him keep uh, Levert if they weren't necessarily thinking about trying to uh, keep cap space available for whatever reason. I mean, I think if I'm if I'm Drummond's agent, I'm trying to talk to Houston because I think Oladipo is probably going to walk. I, I can see them trying to get Drummond or whatever guy they think the numbers for for a slot. They can do that, and I, I would try to move those picks for young guys now when people don't realize. So you got guys like guys on people's benches that. Yeah, they might be worth a 25 to 30 pick or something that you can use or something, a player that can help you or something. Or if you've used it, they got some veterans or something. Listen, I'm going to bring us back to the home team. I'll take one of those Houston picks for and give them Alex Burks. No. 20, 20 to 30 picks for Alex Burks. I'll take it right now. You know, I was actually thinking about it in terms of, uh, <laughs> for some reason, it, is Julius Randle from Texas? Yeah, he is. He's from Dallas. I thought immediately it popped in my mind that maybe there's a match to be made there if the Knicks keep free-falling. Because you uh, flip Julius Randle, right, over to, to Houston for a, a few of those picks, right? Because like I said, they're, they're going to be in the 20s more than likely. So if you can get two of those picks in the 20s as a rebuilding team uh, like the Knicks, then you, I would say you do it. Right now, you don't do it, right? Because it's still early on. The jury's still out. But if you get to that all-star break, or assuming there's going to be an all-star game, but if you get to that coming up on the trade deadline and you're in the K Cunningham sweepstakes, mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt to add more draft picks you know, to your team. So I would consider flipping Randall. And a team like Houston could use Randall, right? Because they're not with John Wall and Burton Cousins. They might not necessarily be in complete, in Christian Woods, right? Complete rebuild mode, right? You throw Randall next to Christian Woods, you got a decent front court. You got John Wall there, you know, Boogie Cousins. So is there a match to be made there? Yeah, I think Randall will help them out a lot because I think the one thing that, I mean, it's crazy that we're saying this, is that Julius Randall has proven to be somewhat consistent this year. Like, he, he's going to get buckets. He passes the ball really well. I mean, that's like, I think his biggest improvement is passing ability. I mean, there was a time when we was calling Julius Randle the black hole, where the ball would go in and you would never see it come out. But somebody, I mean, he's improved dramatically with that, and he's a good rebound. I mean, realistically, the only thing that makes me even want to get, even not, not get rid of him, to consider trading him, 
is the fact that he's a little older than the guys we have and the, and the fact that he's going to want some money. He's playing, his play is going gonna, is gonna to merit a bigger check. And I don't know if they're going to pay, you know, have to pay him four years, 80 million or something like that. Yeah, they have him for next season at 20 mil again because he signed a three-year, $60 million deal. But after the second year, the Knicks have an option where they can pay him $4 million uh, and let him walk. So after this season, which they would be crazy to do, right? Because he's a valuable trading asset. So they're not going to keep him, pay him the $4 million just to leave. He's, the guy is he's valuable, right? So they're not going to go that route. So if they keep him around, he has 20 mil coming to him next year. But at the same time, like I said, he's going to want to be extended. He's going to be looking yeah. to get four. And you can't blame him the way he's playing if he continues on. Um, so <clears throat> I don't know if the Knicks got a, a, a few decisions to make there. But I think if they keep free falling, like I said, they're in the, in the K Cunningham sweepstakes, the Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green sweepstakes. Come you know midseason, then I, I think you move Randall and, and try to get those pieces if you can. The Houston in particular, if you can get uh, two first rounders or something like that out of it. OKC, right? OKC has a stash of draft picks. I'm not sure they want Randall because they are they are obsessed with picks instead yeah. of players. It seems like, but talent wise, you put Randall with. Uh, Alexander, right? Gilius Alexander, and you got two decent pieces there that you could potentially build around. And, and it's not going to be that expensive, right? You may have to give up a pick or two out of the 17 they have over the next few years, 17 first rounders, whatever it is. So maybe there's something to be uh, done there too with OKC. Assuming the Knicks want to go down that route of, of trading Randall. If you're in contention, I wouldn't move him though. Yeah, would you trade Randall to Houston for uh, Eric Gordon in the pick? Because because Randall's not a small forward, so you couldn't have Randall Woods and, and uh, cousin of the court at the same time. From Houston's perspective, I would right. put if I'm going to go that route of, of bringing in Randall, um, I would put Woods at the center. He's already run that spot in Detroit. I would probably move Boogie to the bench. Right. Um, unless Boogie right starts showing that he's going back to being the old Boogie. I don't think he could log 30-something plus minutes a game. You get him in there for 20 minutes and make Boogie the focal point of the offense with the second unit, you may get some more value uh, more value out of him that way. Right. So like you said, you can't bring those, you can't bring Randall in and try to dump him at the small forward. Um, right. I'm gonna go that route, and I'm moving Boogie to the bench and putting Woods at the center. But like you said, on the, from the Knicks' perspective, a guy like uh, Gordon, I'm not too crazy about him in terms of his his timeline. Right, uh, he does add what the Knicks need, which is shooting. That he can do. He can shoot. Whether he can stay on the court, you know, long enough to shoot, you know, he's injury prone a little bit. Right, but. I wouldn't be opposed to that deal if I'm the Knicks bringing in Gordon. Uh, the only thing I'm sitting here wondering is how many years does Gordon have left on his deal? Because if I'm taking back two or three years on that deal, um, then you may have to give me some decent compensation, maybe even a second pick if I'm giving you cap relief. But if he's like on the last year of his deal or something like that, then 
Yeah, I, I would tra- potentially trade Randall for Gordon in a in one of those Nets picks or something like that. Because Houston, I don't think is going to give you their their own pick. They got to flip the Nets picks in a trade. But yeah, that's that that, that could work too. Because Gordon, he would help the Knicks uh, with some of their problems in terms of perimeter shooting. Yeah, just on Gordon, he's not a free agent till twenty twenty four. Yeah, you see, so that's the thing is you might have to give me a little bit more than the late, right? Uh, in the late first round that I absorb his contract. Yeah, he's in the first year of a four-year deal. Well, let me ask you this as it pertains to the Knicks. This guy. Yeah, guys, I just want to talk about one more thing that's in Duncan Robinson, before we, before we go, as it pertains to the Knicks, Duncan Robinson is a, is a free agent this summer. If you're the Knicks, do you pursue him? Considering you need shooting? I think it's going to cost about 15 to 20 million dollars for him. Yeah. I mean, I would pursue it, but it's going to be 15 to 20 million. That right. second round pick thing has actually helped him out dramatically. So he's going to get to the money early. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. Going to be, it's going to be 15 million. If you look at the deals they've been giving out to players, he, I don't think he's going on anybody's team for less than $15 million. You know who I think that the Knicks would pursue in the second round thing helped him as well? THT from the Lakers. Yeah. Well, he's a free agent this summer as well, and that guy is falling out. So they're saying the Knicks may pursue him, but it's going to cost you a, a pretty penny to bring him in as well. I mean, for him, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I would. It's got to, it can't be as much as fifteen. He's got to be in the eight to twelve range or something. He, he might be in that mid-level exception range. The thing with him, you, I mean, you can get guys like him. I mean, he's a younger version of Wesley Matthews or somebody like that. Some of the Lakers own his, his uh, not his full bird rights. They own his early bird rights, meaning. The Lakers, the most the Lakers can pay him is $8 million per. So if you want to steal him away from the Lakers, you're going to have to give him more than $8 million, I think they said. Yeah. yeah so I you, think somebody will make an offer more than $8 million. I think somebody's going to make an offer in the $10 million range, 4 40 or something like that. Right now, I think they said the Knicks are looking at him, uh, Dallas, and there was a third team that's high, high on him. Here's the question. You, you bring them in, right? And you look at, like, overall, look at the Knicks roster and the future the future the game. What role is he? Is he, is, he's, is he, he's not going to be, I don't think he'll be a starter on the Knicks. Yeah. But $10 million per, you're going to have to be at least in the top eight. Because you got to be a rotational player at $10 million per. So to bring him in, somebody's got to go. You know what's crazy is Based on their their interest in them, they were saying that the Knicks may bring them in, which I wouldn't personally do. But they were saying the Knicks may bring them in and try to convert them to the starting point guard. Mm, I mean, I think you can run someone, but do you uh, bring them in and 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 move on from quickly, so to speak? Because I I think at least from what he's showing so far, I think quickly, unless you again get into the K Cunningham. Jalen Suggs sweepstakes. I think quickly is kind of like the future of that position for the next for the time being. I I couldn't see putting Horton Taylor Horton at the point guard. That would be a big mistake. <laughs> that, that would be a real big mistake. To me, yeah, he's more. No, he's gonna get buckets, man. He gets buckets. I like him. Yeah. He could create his own shot. He gets, but he could shoot. He could penetrate. He finishes. He gets buckets. The problem is, is that he don't start. So you don't want to pay ten minutes to a guy 
we don't start and get maybe uh you know subpar minutes here and there you know but as far as quickly quickly should be starting regardless of how he plays and i'd rather have quickly in horton quickly in suggs quickly in cunningham <laughs> you know those three i'm wrong with period I nah, I, I, I agree with you, Theo. The, um, the 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 only reason I wouldn't put Horton at the point is because he can't make people around him better. He's he, if you never played the point before, you it's it's a difference between throwing passes and giving them to people where they should get the ball. Like it's certain guys that, like I'll give you a perfect example. I watched um who was it who threw that pistol pass to Mitchell Robinson yesterday. It was no way that he was going to do anything with that. Oh, that was uh. <laughs> Yeah. It was Reggie Bullock on the fast yeah. break that you could almost say cost us the game, even though RJ yeah. with the in between the legs behind the back helped cost <laughs> the game to play before that. But yeah, that last one that he was trying to throw to, to yeah. was uh, Reggie Bullock. See, that's that's where a point guard understands their personnel on the team. If you just get out there and think that you're going to just pass the ball. You get guys that do stuff like that, give Mitchell Robinson the ball on the run up high or something. I, he would have been better off throwing that at the rim. Yeah. Than and try to get, try to get it. Try to get Robinson to try to get his steps together because he's still running. I mean, that would have been an offensive foul if the ball wouldn't have got stolen. Mitch would have bowled somebody over. Yeah. You, <laughs> we. That's why. That's why. I mean, I watched quickly and his passes. He turns the corner. He's smart enough to take the mid-range shot and not force it, which I like. He hits open shots, and when he makes passes, it's the people in positions where they can actually do something with it. Now, he's one of the reasons why Kevin Knox is playing better. Yeah. Because he knows that when he turns the corner, he stops. He kicks out. Kicks out to the open man. He's not trying to force it in or trying to barrel in through the paint. I mean... The one thing I say with quickly is, as it pertains to his mid-range, somebody has to tell him, you got to pull up for the mid-range jumper. Quickly yeah. out there taking floaters from the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, I uh, think that's the overrated shot in the game. I think it caught on for a while. Everybody fell in love with doing these million floaters. But the problem is, is a lot of times players don't watch the best players. Have you ever seen Kevin Durant do a mid-range floater? Kevin, Kobe Bryant, James Harden? Yeah, they Anybody that shoots mid-range, have you ever seen them do a mid-range floater? I mean, that, yeah, he's, that, he, he's throwing floaters from free throw line. <laughs> no. Yeah, you only doing that five three multi bowls. You doing that dude on that Pioza, Tyler Eulis, those type of guys are throwing up those. You know who doesn't who uh, throws up a lot of floaters? I don't know about from the free throw line. Who I heard quickly says he patterns a little bit of his game after. Um, for some reason, his name is slipping my mind from Portland. Not Lillard. Okay, no, so he's up to McCollum? Yeah, CJ McCollum. He does a lot. He, does he a lot. floaters and he, he, but he also throws up a lot of mid-range jumpers too. So yeah. I think quick improve, you know, there. You know but what I think the floater you know? helps with this. I think the floater helps when, you, when, you, when you're not as athletic. Because guys that's athletic are not throwing up floaters. They're trying to get to the front of the rim. Whether you're gonna dunk it or lay it up with the foul, but going in there with the big man and taking that contact, that's when you tend to go towards the floater. Yeah, that's true. Harden throws up a lot of floaters, and that's why sometimes people get confused whether he's throwing that floater or or the lob pass to the big. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, I think we'll get there. I think sometimes I think James Harden's out there. Just he he might be bored. <laughs> Too easy for him. Yeah, he'll throw up a floater just because. Uh, let me see if I can make this shot. I done made thirty-two other ones. Let me see if I can make the left-handed floater tonight. I want to ask you guys, you guys see all these different things going on with these cancellations and all this stuff with the COVID games and all this stuff. How do you think this is going to play out? Are we going to get a full season or whatever? And I just want to make, make one comment before we talk about it. George Hill made an interesting comment. So they made new COVID restrictions on the players about touching, being in a room by themselves, not having guests and all this other stuff. They're not supposed to shake hands, you know, as soon as they get off, they get a warm down, they put on a mask. But he said something interesting. So in the middle of a game, I could lay on a guy, I could touch him, hand check him, and do all of this stuff. But at the end of the game, I can't shake his hand. So, yeah, yeah what do you guys think of that whole whole yeah, thing? Yeah. Touching the same ball, ball all game long, right? Yeah. Everybody's touching the same ball. I don't think they use a different ball every time uh, play happens. Right? They don't roll out a fresh ball or wipe the ball down. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I, I could easily see if it continues on and gets worse, I could easily see them going with maybe a like a, and I, I heard this was being discussed already, like a two week break from it instead of getting into these million postponed games. So I can see them doing that. And if I see them doing that, I see that as probably the segue to another bubble. I don't know if they'll necessarily do one bubble, but maybe maybe you, you do a few of them, right? And then you have teams move within the bubbles, but you play a couple of games with the teams who are in your bubble. You play against them a couple of times, then you mix it up that way. You move on to the next bubble, play different teams there. Because at least that way you have some limited control over guys going, hanging out, and but the, like I think George Hill also said this about as it pertains to Kyrie Irving, because Kyrie Irving was on video footage right as at his sister's birthday party or something, and and George Hill said, "Look, I'm a grown man. You know, you're not going to tell me where I can and cannot go. You know, at the end of the day, if I want to go out." then that's just what I'm going to do. So I don't know if the NBA is going to be able to put that much of a restriction on these guys without going to a bubble format. Because if you allow these guys to continue to go out in different cities and stuff, they're going to, not all of them, but some of them are going to do it. And that's all you need is a few. Next thing you know, it's it's spreading or you have postponed games or whatever the case may be. So I, I think we're heading to a potential uh, bubble again this season. Uh, the NBA is going to do what, it, what they need to do to keep that money coming in. <laughs> Plain and simple. And uh, the players don't want the bubble. The NBA guys know that. So they're trying to work work around that before that being a last resort. What they can do, when you guys talk about it while sitting and thinking about it, they can do a bubble in LA. You know, I think about three or four teams. You got the Clippers Arena, the Warriors Arena, you got the Kings Arena, the Lakers Arena. That's four bubbles right there. Sacramento, yeah. All in that. Yeah. Yeah. Four yeah. bubbles right there that they could use for all the teams to stay stay close and, and don't travel too far, so to speak, and get these games in. 
if need be two weeks, let it be two weeks. So what? So you play 75 games or, or, or 70 games instead of, you know, the 82. So be it. There's going to be a bubble, make it more convenient where these guys these move around within the state. Now, I think California should be a good option. You know, you got four arenas. It should be a problem move from Portland State Arena to, you know, uh, Clippers and, and the Kings and the Lakers. The only thing I would say that that does make sense since the arena availability is there. The only thing uh, I would say maybe a concern would be um, like L.A. is probably one of the hot spots right now for COVID. So not only that, it's also a hot spot for nightlife. Right. So you put that temptation on these guys, you know, you put them in an area where COVID is, is running more rampant than than anywhere else one of the hot spots in the, in the country, and you put them in an area where it's a, a huge nightlife, and it could potentially be a recipe for disaster with some of these players, you know? So I think what they would have, they ideally the, the NBA would have uh, four readily available arenas in the middle of nowhere in, in, in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin or something, <laughs> right? Because now you're not going out as much. You tell the players, yeah, sure, go go out. You know you're not going to do it. There's nowhere to go over there. So the bubble's in Utah now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Roam around all you want, right? But you put them in L.A., it makes sense, like you said, Theo, based on arena availability. I just don't know if the league, unfortunately, uh, has enough trust in these players to, to have them roaming around California, you know? But I think Kim may have also said this, and I'll close with this, is uh, if you have to do all of these restrictions and like go overboard with it, maybe they shouldn't be playing. Obviously, the NBA doesn't want that from a money perspective, but like George Hill said, maybe they shouldn't be playing. Maybe take the season off if it's that serious. You know, see you next year when, when vaccines are readily available. For, for NBA players and such. And I think Charles Barkley tried to touch on that by saying the NBA players should be able to skip the vaccine line because they pay more taxes. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Yeah, that was um, very idiotic. Yeah. But yeah, maybe maybe that's a, a um, thing. Yeah, maybe see you next year if, if it gets that bad. So guys, what's we'll as we get, get towards the close, any final words? Kareem, any final words today? Um, just that overall, it's been, I would say, uh, an exciting year in sports, if you include 2020. Just fortunate uh, to still have sports, because I know we went through a period, at least for me, where there was no sports on. Um, and that made the pandemic, I would say, worse for me personally. So the fact that these guys and in, in across all of these different sports are risking their lives, so to speak, to entertain us, I would say, uh, is greatly appreciated. At the same time, yeah, sure, they're doing it for their own personal benefits in, turn, in terms of monetary gain, but I would say it's also doing a, a, a great deal on all of us who enjoy sports to be able to watch these guys play. Yeah, you got any final words? Uh, I'm happy to say that uh, Tyson Fury and Joshua fight is just about done. It'll be a two-fight deal. First fight will be in Great Britain. 
second fight will be, uh, I guess, the first fight will be in, uh, somewhere in the Middle East, they said. The second fight will be in Great Britain. And, you know, boxing needs this right now. Both guys may get like 100 million each, which is sound, sounds real crazy for both guys to get 100 mil. You know, but the boxing uh, fans and the boxing uh, community needs this. Sports fans need this fight. Both guys are in their prime, and I look forward to the fight um, in 2021. Nice. And I just I just have one quick thing with him again. Thank you, Kareem. Thank you, Theo, for coming on tonight. Sure. Tonight, tonight in Hart, James Harden's debut, the Nets won the game. KD had 42. James Harden had 32 in a triple-double. Welcome, James Harden, to the Nets. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for checking in. Yes, sir. Enjoy.